you got a Bible, would you hold your Bible? Either in paper form, electric form. Father, we want to thank you that your word is not just a manual about life, which it is, nor is it just a manual of great principles, but it is a God-breathed word. It's a word alive. And so we reverence it as the word of God. And so, Father, we pray you speak to our hearts through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. If you've got some keys, would you get your keys out? Um, just get your keys out. That'll just help me for a second. Right. I want you to have a look at your keys. Just think for a moment, um, right, that go back a few hundred years and most of us, you'd never imagine that that key being so small would drive a car with so much power, yeah? Like, it's small. So I want you to remember that. You've got something in your hand that may not look that significant, but at the end of it, it has the ability to unleash immense power. You got it? Wonderful. Wonderful. Do you know there are a lot of questions in the Bible that people ask Jesus? Lots of questions. But there are also questions that Jesus asks us. In fact, in the Gospels, there's about 123 of them where Jesus asks people questions. Now, why does Jesus need to ask a question? He's God, he knows the answer. So he asks a question to help us get a deeper insight and to get us to reflect. For instance, if I ask you this question right now, how are you really feeling in your soul this morning? No, no, no. How are you really feeling? Sometimes in counselling or talking to somebody, I'll say to somebody, how are you feeling? They'll say, I'm frustrated. And I said, okay, tell me what it feels like to feel frustrated. And they'll go, well, I feel angry. And I said, well, tell me what it feels like to feel angry. And it goes deeper and deeper. The Lord is always taking us deeper. So his questions to us help us orientate us. And so I want to give you what I believe is the greatest question ever given to followers of Christ. And so we're going to read Matthew 16, 13 to 19, and we've got it on the screen there. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, some still say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say I am? Don't tell me who Pastor John says I am. Don't tell me who John Bevere says I am. Don't tell me who the preacher on YouTube tells you who I am. Don't tell me what it says in that book who I am. Anti Wright tells you who. Who do you say I am? Not your dad, not your grandfather, not your mother, not your brother, you. And that question is really important now because the world is screaming at us. 
All of these things we should believe, it's this, it's that, but who do you say I am? If there is a question that the Lord is asking the church today, this is it. Who do you jolly well say I am? Come on. And Simon Peter answered, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by, my, by man, but by my Father in heaven. Now let me just put that in plain language. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but Father in heaven. Now let's put it in the practical. Peter, you're not that smart to work it out, you thickhead. <laughs> you had to get it from heaven, blockhead. In fact, remember, Simon, yes, biblically in Hebrew, your word, your name means something wonderful. It means listener and hearer. But the common name, Simon, means a reed blown in the wind. It's impossible for you to get anything that's rock solid because you're blown around, pushed by every opinion and that's me. That's me. And then he says, this was revealed to you from heaven. I want to tell you, if you're born again and believe in Jesus, it was revealed to you from heaven, never take it for granted. Never take it for granted. And then he says, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He says, I tell you, you are Peter. Now, right at that moment, the New Testament is written in Koine Greek, but right at this moment, Jesus moves from Koine Greek and he's not speaking in Hebrew. He's taught, he, he shifts in this moment to Aramaic which is the people's language because he doesn't want anything to be misunderstood. And in Aramaic, the word Peter is exactly the same as rock. In Greek, Petros is similar to rock, not exactly the same, but in Aramaic, it is exactly the same. A reed blows in a moment, but it takes a lifetime to make a rock. And he says, upon this rock. What is this rock? It's the rock of Peter's personal revelation given from heaven of Jesus. This is the rock. This is a stop you've blown about in the wind. The fact that you have a personal revelation of who Jesus is. Don't take for granted your faith in Christ, not for a second. And he says... And upon this rock, I will build my church. The church of Jesus Christ is not built off programs, not built off big screens, is not built off great music, it's not built off, all these things are important. The church of Jesus Christ is built upon your personal revelation of Jesus. 
That's why your testimony that was so flipping awesome, that will build the church. Tell your story of your revelation of Jesus Christ and the church will be built. And what the devil wants to do is shut you up so you can't tell your story. But it's not your story, it's his story through you. It's the testimony of Christ. And the church will be built and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, it's really important, do not confuse Hades with hell. The Bible doesn't say in the gates of hell will not overcome. It does not say that. It says Hades. And this is important. Really important. See, Hades in their mind was the place of death. And once you're dead, you're dead. You're dead. I've never seen a dead person get dressed for work. You're dead, you're dead, you're finished, you're dead. And I will give you the keys. Now, what's really important is I'm going to show you something. Sometimes where Jesus asks questions is as almost as important as the question he asks. So Jesus asks this question not in Caesarea, the common Caesarea, which was very popular, Caesarea, was on the coast. It was like the holiday destination. You'd go down there and it was part of the Holy Land or what we would call the Holy Land now. It's where Jews were. They were comfortable. It was a holy place. It was a sacred place. That's not this place. This is Caesarea Philippi. Every word in the Bible is important. Every word. So if, it, if the word the place wasn't important. It wouldn't mention the place. It mentions it. Caesarea Philippi. I want to show you what it looks like. This is what it looks like. We've got those photos. This is Caesarea Philippi. We're just going to have a look at a few of these photos. Just, we'll just throw a few more up. A few more. Okay, one more. Okay, let's just hold it there for a second. Okay, this is Caesarea Philippi. Jesus is standing, bang against the rock cliff. The disciples are looking at him because it would be stupid. You can't imagine him looking at the rock and then talking to him behind him, can you? So he's talking to them and they're looking at this behind him. This is Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi was not a place that Jews would go. It was a pagan territory. It's not a church you go to worship in. It actually would freak them out. See those caves? This big cave here, actually at the base of it has a spring. And out of that spring is the beginning of the Jordan River. In those caves were gods, and in particular the god of Pan. Now, all these little holes, you see these other little holes, they're called grottos. They were man-made. There were thousands of these things. And they all had pagan gods in them, and particularly the god of Pan. Do you know the word panic comes from the word Pan, the god of Pan? That's where it comes from. The Greek word Pan means everything and all. And the Greek word Pa, where we get Pan from, actually means guardian of the flock protector and shepherd and guardian against 
the battle between civilization and the spiritual world. So pagans came here to worship foreign gods, particularly a pan, so that their life would be filled with everything good and their life would be protected from the evil other world. Got it? How do you reckon the Jews felt? They're standing there confronted with all of these pagan gods and Jesus probably standing right here next to this huge big cave. Have you ever looked into a cave that's pitch black? Just think of it for a second. And it's got all these pagan gods in there. How are you going to be feeling? You're going to be feeling great. You're going to be feeling Wah. And Jesus says the gates of Hades will not prevail. Now here's the deal. When Jesus reveals himself, we just think maybe he would do it in a nice spiritual place, like in the temple or in the synagogue or a church. But Jesus Christ has to reveal himself in every moment of every situation that you and I live in. Because if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And so it's in this place that he says, hey, who do you say I am? Can we throw that photo up again? Who do you say I am? Am I just one of these? Am I just one of these myriads of God? Am I just one of these guys that's going to come and give you everything? Am I just another God that's going to make your life comfortable? So who do you say I am? And Peter gets this revelation. He says, Peter, upon this rock. They're looking at rock. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, which means death, the gates of death will not prevail. The word prevail in the Greek means to overcome. It means literally to get the upper hand. Death will not get the upper hand. Whatever you're looking at will not get the upper hand. <clears throat> and he's not just talking about physical death. Any kind of death will not get the upper hand. The death of a dream, the death of a business. You might feel that your relationship is dead. You might think that your kids are dead from you. You might think that there's all sorts of areas in your life that are dead, but they're not dead because the gates of death will not prevail. The revelation of Jesus Christ, your revelation of Jesus Christ is so important. Now he goes on to say, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. I've heard this preached in such a strange manner. I've heard people come up with all these mystical things about the keys of David and the keys of this and this key and that key and this key. And we've got so many flipping keys, our pants are falling off. But the context tells us what the key is about. Gate. How do you open a gate? With a key. <laughs> With a key. What is he saying? You have a key 
that will unlock death. And what is the key? It tells you the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ will open your dead dream, will open your dead business, will open your dead relationship, will open anything that you think is dead. A revelation of Jesus is a revelation of the one who overcame death and death could not hold him down. We preach the resurrected Jesus. And then he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And this is not about binding and loosing demons. Because the context tells us what it's about. Binding and loosing. Guess what language that is? Burial language. It's exactly the same words. For every place they talk about a body being wound and bound, the same that Jesus experienced. Whatever you loose, the revelation of Jesus Christ will loosen any form of death. Now let me take it a little bit further so you know I'm theologically and biblically Solid here. Isaiah 22, verse 22. I will place on his shoulders the keys to the house of David and what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. What he binds will be bound. What he looses will be loosed. Let me take it further. That's the Old Testament. Now Revelation, Revelation 3, 7. And the angel of the church of Philadelphia writes to the angel, he writes, these are the words of him who is holy and true. The him is Jesus, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, no one can open. Bound and loosed. Woo! This is about the revelation of Jesus Christ. The key is simply the revelation of Jesus Christ. The greatest thing you have got in your hand might not seem like much to you. And that's why we must never underestimate the faith that's been revealed to us from heaven. It may not look like much, but it has the greatest power, the power to loosen everything from death. It has the power to bind the sin that has caused habit to form in your life. It has the ability to bind it. It has the ability to stop it. You've got a habit, an addiction. The revelation of Jesus Christ has the ability in your hand to stop that thing. It also has the power to loosen you into new life. Because it's the power 
But he says, I will build my ministry. Your ministry, no, it doesn't. I will build my church. It's the church. It's this here, the revelation of Jesus amongst all of us. None of us are as good as all of us. All of us together with that revelation of Jesus Christ has the power to set free people free. I walked into a church service when I first got born again, not knowing what. You heard a bit of the story yesterday. You had the yellow pages. I then go to a church and I'm standing there and blah, blah, blah. Never been to a church like it in my life. And all I could think of is this feels strange. I look to my left, I look to my right, there's one girl on the left, one girl on the right. Normally I'd look at the girls for different reasons, but today, this day, I'm overwhelmed. They've got their hands in the air and they're singing in tongues. I didn't know what it was, I thought it was some sort of nice language. And I could feel the atmosphere of the presence within the body. And as Kathy said yesterday, all of us together do kingdom work. The person coming in on the door with the sign, the person giving the coffee, all of us do kingdom work. The church there, that atmosphere, that building, I responded to the, the, what was happening and the gates of hell, gates of Hades did not prevail that day over my life. I was loosed and I was set free. The revelation of Jesus Christ. No one can shut it and no one can open it. The key, the revelation. We have such power. We have such power. It's not ours. We've got the key, but he's got the car. We've got the key. He's got the mechanism to travel. Let me give you one more passage to just bring this whole point about the key home to you. Mark 13, 34. Jesus tells a parable. He says, it's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servant in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one who has the key to the door to keep watch. <laughs> That's awesome. The Lord has given you a key. He's assigned a task to you, my friend. He's given you a jolly key, and he's asking you to open the door. Who's he asking you to open the door to? Other people who are bound up and can't get in there. This is a pretty simple message. Who do you say I am? Because if I'm just one of them, you're not going to have the key, baby. But if you get a revelation of who Jesus Christ is, you have got this amazing key. And you can open and shut the revelation of Jesus Christ. A genuine revelation of Jesus Christ has the ability to bind every sin, every habit, every stumbling block, everything that is... And it has the potential to set free everything that you think has died. A dream, a marriage, a wayward child, 
a business. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Brilliant disciple makers live, eat, drink off the revelation of Jesus Christ. And they bring the revelation of Jesus Christ into every area of their world. It's not a complex message. You know, we've just been through two years of just a crazy time and every jolly person has a flippin' opinion. And I've got to tell you, you can choose your opinion, but I'm choosing Jesus. I'm not getting distracted by opinions. I'm going to preach the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because it's only Jesus Christ that has the power to loose, set free, bind up. Would you get that key again? Small. It's small. It is small. You might think your faith is small. You might think your faith is, oh, well, it's just faith. But it's the key that you can put into that motor that's going to take you, carry you. It's the key. It's small, but it will open up. And the key is the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. you're here and you are struggling with a habit. The habit has been ongoing for a long time. You've got on top of it for seasons and then you've, it's got on top of you. You would be ashamed if you, people knew what the habit was. In fact, when you talk to the Lord, you don't even want to talk to him about the habit because you've tried so long to sort it out yourself, you feel like you're anything but a brilliant disciple. You feel like you're just going to somehow claw your way there. And the devil's in your head saying, you don't have the power or the ability to overcome this. But the Lord would say to you, you've got a key. Don't look at what you don't have, look at what you do have. There's a key in your hand that can speak into and bind up that habit and set you free. You're here today. I don't want anybody's eyes open, not for a second. Not a single person looking around. But I want you to be brave enough to hear the Lord say in this moment, who do you say I am? And with that, you need to be able to say, not only are you the Lord Jesus, but you are the one who will bind this habit and set me free from it.
You have that power. If you've got that habit, a habit while all eyes are closed, no one's to have their eyes open. This is a private moment between you and God, a personal moment. The Lord will see. I will see. I'm going to pray. Would you place your hand in the air right now? You want this habit gone. Father, I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is in each one of these that has their hand in the air, they will know, Father, that it is the key, the key to overcoming this habit. The habit will be bound because of you, Jesus, and the habit will be gone because of you, Jesus. You're at work in them by the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray increase a revelation of who you are and how powerful you are that that this will not prevail. Bring freedom in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You can place your hand down. You're here today. <clears throat> You've got a thousand voices around you. And you may believe in your head, but you really want to believe in your heart. You want God in your heart. You want the reality of who Jesus is in your heart. You've been trying to do it off your own strength and you're a little frightened of actually, wow, if I say yes to Jesus, then I have to say no to all these other things. Well, yeah, you do. But all these other things are just like these pagan gods in a hole, in caves, but you can have real life. You can get free. You can have the promise of eternal life. And you can come to Jesus and be powerfully born again and set free and have life and meaning and purpose. But you just have to do one simple thing. You have to say, Lord, I need help. And I have stuffed it up and I, I need you. And Jesus invites you <clears throat> He invites you today. Today, he says, I've got a key for you, a key to life, and it's in me. And all you have to do is ask me to come into your life. If that's you, you've never said yes to Jesus before, or you've been away from Jesus, or you're not even sure <clears throat> if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven. If that's you today, this day, this moment, there's a key for your future. And all you have to say is, yes, I want Jesus. If that's you, I want you to place your hand high in the air. No one's looking, just me. High in the air. High in the air. You want Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <clears throat> there are others I know. I want to say to you, <clears throat> some people think if they go to church enough, they'll get to heaven. Some people think if they pray hard enough, they'll get to heaven. No, 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 no. It's only by receiving Jesus, a revelation of who he is. It's by grace. Just a moment. I remember being given this invitation. My heart was pounding. I was sweating. I didn't know what I was doing. But I just knew I needed God. That's you. I want to pray for you. Place your hand in the air right now. Thank you. Thank you. 
We're going to pray this prayer together, church. You can put your hand down. Lord, thank you for those that have responded. Bless them, be with them. Now we're going to pray a prayer together. Everybody, if you can open your eyes. We're going to pray with those that have responded. A prayer, just a simple prayer, together. All together, out loud. If you sincerely believe this in your heart, God is going to hear it. It's not the words, it's the heart. So let's pray this prayer together with our friends who've responded. God in heaven, I need you. My life's a bit of a mess. I have sinned. Forgive me. Come into my life and set me free. Set me free. Set me free. Fill me with your spirit so I might soar like a bird and have life. Thank you, Jesus, for today. Amen. Why don't you give the Lord a round of applause?